Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. It is great to see so many of you that braved the weather to come out today. Thanks for uh, making the choice to be with us. I know that for many of you, it, it may have been unwise or unsafe for you to be here and are joining us online. And so thanks for joining us here as well. The thing that, that struck me this morning, I think because you, you think of it a little bit different, is just how many people it takes every Sunday, every service to pull off the things that happen here at Calvary. And just want to say thanks to those that, that made it happen today and that make it happen every, every week when we have these services. Can we thank our, uh, our leaders today for what you do to serve us? Thank you so much. You ever gone somewhere with the, the hope or intention that you're going to, that you're going to see somebody, maybe somebody famous, like that you, you might catch a glimpse of somebody or maybe even get a chance to meet them I remember years ago when our, our kids were little, we took a trip to Washington, D.C., and we were standing out at, 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 the, at the street at Pennsylvania Avenue. And if you've ever been to the White House, you know that, that you can see it. And it's, it's really, I mean, I think sentimentally, but then also just architecturally, it's a magnificent thing. You kind of stand there and you look at it, and they have this black iron railing fence that's right there that's, that's very beautiful, but it also says, don't go any further. Do you know what I'm talking about? And we stood there, and we're peering through that railing, and I'm thinking to myself, I bet we're going to see the president. I bet if we watch, you know, the flag was up that says he's home, you know, and we're watching. Kids, look, maybe we'll see the president. Watch. Maybe we, if we pray, God will let us see the president. You know, we're just, we're just kind of watching that. And all of a sudden, there's a little balcony up on the second or third floor or whatever that's up there. And all of a sudden, you see the, the curtains rustling and the door that goes out on the balcony. And the balcony opens. And I'm like, praise the Lord, this is it. God answers prayer. And then you can see one of the housekeeping staff come out, pick something up, turn around, and walk back in. And I was like, not everybody sees that, kids. That was awesome, you know? And it wasn't quite what we were looking for. Sometimes you go someplace, not just because of the place, but because of the presence that's there. The most important building of all time, if you wanted to go for presence in a physical space to interact with greatness, was the temple in Jerusalem. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, it was the place that was the center of worship for the Jewish people. And when we use that word temple, we talk about the place that the Jewish people believed that the presence of the God resided. So when Paul, and we'll unpack this a little bit more in a moment. So when the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, in fact, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. In Ephesians chapter 2, when he writes to the church in Ephesus, and if you remember in this series that we're calling Essentials, we're, we're, we're looking primarily at what Paul says to the people in Ephesus about the work of the Holy Spirit. When Paul uses the word temple that we're about to read, he does not use it lightly. Paul knows this, and we'll see what it means to the Ephesians too, that this was a place that had incredible significance. This was a place of, of power and of value and of identity. So when Paul says this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, for through him, speaking of Jesus, we both, talking about Jew and Gentile, have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. He's talking here about how incredible it is what Christ did for us. And then he says in verse 21, in him, in Jesus, 
The whole building is joined together, speaking of us as a church, and rises to become a holy, here's our word right here, a holy temple. He's not using this casually. He's not using this lightly. He's making something out of this word to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives. What was the name of the dwelling in which God lived? It was the temple. You too are being built together to become a temple, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. He says, look, because of the Holy Spirit church, God lives in you. You are his temple. Twice in my life, I've been privileged to stand at the, at the, at the site in Jerusalem that was the home to the Jewish temple. Today, the, the, the Jewish people find the most sacred place in their religion to be the Western Wall. They, they believe that's as close as they can get to where the tangible presence of God was in, in ancient times, and they believe still is. And for me, that has been, both times, just an incredible privilege to stand there and to pray and to, and to sense, I think in, in a powerful way, God's presence. We, we took a group from Calvary there in, in 2018. We're, we're gonna take a, a group again in 2020. If you would be interested in going, we're gonna have a meeting on Wednesday night, the 30th, in the Connection Center. You can pick up more information at the Hub. Um, if you've ever thought about going to Israel, I would encourage you, I put it off for too long as a person. Don't put it off. It is a life-changing experience to go and see the land of the Bible. And uh, we're, we're going to take a group from Calvary with us in March of 2020. Meeting coming up in a couple of weeks. You can find out more information at the Hub if you stop by there. But it gives to me a little bit of a different visual when I think about temple. And Paul uses this word. Because he doesn't use it casually. He's not just throwing it out there without meaning. Remember, he's, he's writing to the people in Ephesus, and to them, the word temple was filled with meaning. Not in the same way as for the Jewish people, but if you remember, we said several weeks ago that the temple of the goddess Artemis of the Ephesians, she was one of the, the, the queen goddesses of mythology in those days. They worshiped her in a powerful way. The hub of Artemis religion was in Ephesus. The temple that was there is considered to be one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. This was a big deal, not only because the Ephesians found their identity in that worship and they felt like their city had been chosen by that goddess, but there were a lot of pilgrims who came to Ephesus and there were a lot of tourists who came to Ephesus because of Artemis and with pilgrims and tourists comes, anybody know? <laughs> Money, it fueled their economy. So when Paul uses the word temple, the Ephesians go, woo, temple. That's where a deity resides. For the Jewish believers that heard him use the word temple is even more loaded. We've already said the temple in Jerusalem was the place where the God, the one and only God, lived. It's where they believed his physical presence would rest. Their identity and much of their value was tied to this place in Jerusalem called the temple. So when Paul uses this word, he's not just using it lightly. He's saying with the emphasis that you place on this physical place, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God's Spirit, more than any building, lives in you. He not only uses this here, but he uses it uh, twice in 1 Corinthians. He uses it once in 2 Corinthians. And in each one of these instances, he somehow ties the idea of the temple that you are to the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're, we're talking about the Holy Spirit in this series. 
and understanding who the Holy Spirit is and how he's at work in our lives. Paul puts deliberate emphasis on this concept and wants you to understand something. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Look at this language. Paul says, and if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. In you, if you're, if you're discouraged today, if you're frustrated today, if you're, if you're tired today, if you're weak today, if you're, if you're concerned about something today, know this, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you're not alone. His spirit lives in you, so much so that Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 3, 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If you, if you walk out of here today and only remember one thing, if you're, if you're watching this message and there's just one thing you walk away with, here's the thought I hope you'll grasp today. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul's speaking to every one of us that is a follower of Jesus Christ, and it's easy for us to forget this. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't have as many people in the service as we usually do because of the weather, so I need you to say it louder for my ego. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Man, I feel better. Thank you. So if that's the case, then how does it affect us? Like, you may be familiar with that saying. If you've been around the church, I remember being a little kid and singing a song, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We know that scripture. But how does that really play itself out in our lives? I'm gonna give you three things that if you think about this fact, that your body, that you are a place where God resides, that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? Well, here's the first thing. Number one, a temple is a place of presence. A temple is a place of presence. That's why a temple was so important, whether it be in Ephesus or whether it be in Jerusalem. They believed that there was a deity that lived there. It was a place where God would dwell. It was a place where you would find his spirit. And the scriptures clearly state, we've already read it, that the spirit lives in you. That means that God's presence is in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and a temple is a place of presence. Jesus showed this to us. Let's rewind it real quick. If you've got if you've got questions about the Holy Spirit, because I think sometimes, we've said before, it's easy to understand God the Father. It, it, it's a concept we can grasp of God the Son. But God the Holy Spirit, that's a little, woo, we can't always get that one. Here's what Jesus says about the Spirit living in us. John chapter 14, verse 16. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, counselor, helper, the different translations say. That word advocate means someone who comes alongside of you to help you and be with you forever. If you need help today, grab hold of that. He's the spirit of truth. That's the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you, not just beside you, not just fairly available when you call to him, not just God with a pretty open schedule, He's in you. John 16, verse 13, Jesus says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. That's cool. He says he will guide you. He will direct you. He will help you. He will give you 
the insight that you need. Luke chapter 12, verse 11, Jesus says, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. He says, look, the Spirit's present inside of you, so when you need insight, when you need direction, when you need help, he's there for you. We can be led of the Spirit. Have you ever heard that term, led of the Spirit? You ever heard that term, walking in the Spirit? We can do that because we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he is present inside of us. Now, look, I, I know... We've used this analogy quite a bit over the last uh, few weeks as we've talked about the Holy Spirit. But I can't think of one that's, that's better, and, and I think it helps us with this, maybe in a, in, a, in a way that's a little telling. Many of us seem to be preoccupied with these devices, right? In fact, I see a few of you are right now. <clears throat> and uh, the, the reason is because of all the, the value that their presence brings to us. Like all day yesterday, my phone was lighting up with updates about the weather. Anybody else? Anytime there was a level in some county I've never been to, it would tell me, hey, there's a, there's a change that's there. If someone wants to get a hold of me, to communicate with me, it happens through this little rectangle. Sometimes it's a loud, annoying, distracting call. Sometimes it's a more subtle text message. I don't get alerts when an email comes, so it's kind of that whisper of an email. It's all right there. I, I got a watch that connects to my phone. So if you try to get a hold of me and I don't hear or see the phone, my little wrist buzzes and tells me that somebody wants to communicate with me. Even further, this thing will guide me when I'm out and about and I don't know what direction to go, even to the point that if I don't see it or hear it, again, my watch will vibrate a little bit and will tell me, hey, Chad, wake up. It's time for you to turn. If I need information, if I need insight, if I need wisdom about something, I just do a quick internet search right there on that little device and it gives me information. I have come to rely on the presence of that little device in my life. Anybody else guilty? You know what I'm talking about? The other day, I got out of my car, walked into a building and all of a sudden I went, where's my phone? Anybody? Freaked out. Like I immediately was like, oh, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, right? I had to go back out to my car, get my phone, and it's, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit embarrassed to say it, but here's why, because for so many things, I have begun to rely on that little device in my life in so many ways. Some of you think I'm crazy. Others of you think we should start a support group. You know what I'm talking about, right? More than any gadget that is fallible, more than any gadget that's limited, more than anything, you got to charge every day. We have the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit does in our lives is so much more meaningful than that smartphone that you have. What if we would come to rely on the Holy Spirit for all the same things? For wisdom and discernment. For communication, not just with other people, but with God. So there would be times that, we, that our spirit would kind of buzz, that our soul would be stirred because we know that God's Holy Spirit is guiding us and directing us, that when we need information to make the choices and decisions we need to make in life, I'm not talking about practical things like what time does the, does the bank close. I'm talking about, God, what do you want to do with my life? We find out those things through the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Like, we, we've looked at this several weeks. When we talked a couple weeks ago about why we need the Holy Spirit, the very first thing we talked about is because the Spirit brings us strength. He does that through His presence. The presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives 
gives, leads us to divine insight and direction. The presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives leads us to divine insight and direction. If you need that, I stress to you how you find it is the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and, and Dr. Arnett helped us to look at this last week, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then as a result, the Spirit has come and he's taken up residence in your life. He lives in you, Scripture says. The challenge is that oftentimes he's living in us and we're just not aware of it. We don't pay attention to his presence. We don't take him up on his offer for strength. He's there with us and we can trust him because of his presence. Here's the interesting thing I see from time to time. Sometimes people think you have to be a pastor to be led of the Spirit. Or you've you got to be some kind of spiritual superstar if the Holy Spirit is going to lead you. The reality is, I, I, I don't believe that to be true. And I think there's so many times when the Spirit leads us and we miss it because we're either not looking for it or, or we dismiss it. Sometimes we use words like coincidence or vibes or karma or conscience. Like we put all these things out there when actually, do you know who's leading us and guiding us and, and quickening our mind to things? It's God's Holy Spirit. If, if you're a believer, then it's the Holy Spirit who guides you, not Jiminy Cricket, right? It's, it's God's work inside of us. And if you're not a believer yet in Jesus Christ, if you're kind of curious about this whole church thing, Christianity thing, Jesus thing, know that there are times when you sense something internally, call it your gut, call it your head, call, call it your soul, your spirit, whatever you want to call it, and you sense something drawing you to God or keeping you from harm, or bringing conviction, you feel it in your conscience, that's the Holy Spirit. Some of us need to move past the other things that we rely on. Sometimes we rely on a relationship, or we rely on our own strength, or we rely on a six-pack. When the time comes that we need to rely on God's Holy Spirit at work inside of us. One of the places where that becomes really clear in our lives, and, and you, you see this in Ephesians chapter 2, is in the area of our relationships. Because we can be real quick to put ourselves in places where, where we isolate ourselves from others for all kinds of reasons. And, and the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us should change and affect the way that we see and interact with other people. Let me give you a really good example. Paul uses this in, in Ephesians chapter 2 where we've already read about the temple, right? If you rewind a few verses, here's what, here's what he says. See, in the first century, in the time of Jesus the temple had become a very segregated place. Like, like if you were to go to the temple, you would find like, like division sections, almost like layers to the temple of how far you could get in. If you weren't a Jew, if, if uh, by your nationality you were a Gentile, then you could only get so close to the, to the core of the temple. And if you were a woman, you could only get so close to the center of where the action was in the temple. If you were a guy, but you weren't a priest, you, you could only go in so far. It was only the, the most priestly, the, the most chosen that could get into that point. And there literally was divisions and walls and signs that they had up that said, if you're this kind of person, you can't go past here. If you're that kind of person, you can't go past here. Look at what Paul writes about what Jesus did. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 says, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups, he's talking about Jew and Gentile, that great division that was there, he's made the two groups one, 
and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. That term dividing wall of hostility is actually a technical term used to describe a a portion of the temple that Gentiles couldn't go past. And he says, guess what? Jesus broke all that down. So, So that means that if you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, then those divisions that we put up in our lives towards other people, because of who they are or where they're from or what they look like or what their gender is or what their race is or what their social status is, those dividing lines, they don't play out anymore because the Holy Spirit's at work inside of us. Interesting thing to mention because tomorrow we remember the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. His dream was that people would live without divisions. That's a good thing for us to remember, especially this week. Because I don't know if you saw the, the headline that I saw but it, it said that there was evidence of racism at a General Motors plant. Did anybody see that? So I clicked on it. I thought, I wonder what this is all about. And I saw Ohio. And I was like, oh, great. And then I looked closer and it said Toledo. And then I said to myself, now I'm embarrassed and angry. Because that's my city. I don't want that to happen in my city. Anybody else? There's a point at which I got to go. Look, this isn't, this isn't right. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, I need to make sure that I do everything that I can to show that what Jesus did is break down those divisions between people and take those steps of faith. I know this this probably goes without saying, but apparently maybe not in the 419. There's no place for racism in our lives. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to be at work, even in some of those fundamental places in our lives, because that's what his presence does. And some of you say, okay, Chad, look, But how do I respond? You say that the the Holy Spirit will lead me and guide me. But how do I respond in tough situations? How do I respond when I I just look and I don't know what to do? People people come to me with these kind of questions all the time where they say, hey, there's this situation in my workplace. There's this situation in my family. There's this situation that I'm trying to play out with my friend, and I'm just not sure how to respond here. Often it has to do with when we see something in someone else's life and we feel like maybe we need to address it, maybe it's, it's, it's an attitude, maybe it's even a sin, it's a, it's a thought process, and, and we feel like maybe we're supposed to address it. And some things, the Bible's just really clear. It just says yes or no. Other things, we're just not sure how to address them, and sometimes people will come to me and say, Pastor, I got this situation. What do you think I should do? And it's in those moments that I just stand up proud, and I take a deep breath with all of my incredible wisdom and experience, and I look at them and say, I don't know. I don't know what you're supposed to do because this is a really tricky situation because the truth is I don't I don't know the dynamic of your relationship with that person and I don't know that person's attitude and I don't know where they're at in their openness to hear truth or even their openness to to be moved on by the Holy Spirit and I don't have the history that you have and I don't know how they view this this sin or this attitude that you're talking about and you look at me and you go "Well, well should I gently encourage them or should I boldly confront them I don't know Depends on all kinds of things. But you know who does know? The Holy Spirit. And so if you prayerfully say, Holy Spirit, I feel you stirring in me. You lead me in this. There may be times when the right response is for you to gently encourage someone. There may be other times when almost in a prophetic sense, you're you're to speak truth to them in love. The the, the trick is I have to be open to go, Holy Spirit, you, you are present in me, so I trust you to lead me. The presence of the Holy Spirit leads us to have healthy relationships. If we're open to his presence in our lives, it's just a part of what he does. He helps us to have humility and grace and patience and courage and love in those times when we trust the presence 
of the Holy Spirit. Here's why. Because he brings clarity to us. He helps us to see things that we wouldn't see on our own. We'll, we'll talk about this actually some more next week. But the presence of the Holy Spirit leads us to walk in the Spirit. Have you ever heard that phrase before, walking in the Spirit? The presence of the Holy Spirit leads us to walk in the Spirit. Walk, walking is an interesting word because if we're gonna walk in the Spirit, we know that he lives in us, but to walk, I gotta take the steps and I gotta make the move and I gotta be willing to put one foot in front of the other. And here's the tricky part. I gotta be willing to pay attention because if I'm walking and I don't pay attention, something bad might happen. Anybody? Isn't it true? Like if you're, if, you're, if you're busy trying to text and walk or you're thinking about something and you got your head down, or I'm not gonna lie, a couple of minutes ago, I was walking a little bit, I almost fell off the stage just a minute ago, which would have made for a memorable snow day, right? You know why? Because I wasn't paying attention. A couple of weeks ago, I had, I had this thing on my mind. I was trying to figure it out and I had to walk into one of our, our break rooms here upstairs in our offices and I rounded the corner, wasn't paying attention at all, just as one of our other team members was walking out of that same room. The blood-curdling screams that filled the former theater in that moment. Why? Because neither one of us were paying attention in that moment. Look, the, the same thing is true. If you're walking in the Spirit, you've got to pay attention. And you've got to be aware of the times when distractions come your way and when temptations come your way and when things come that could cause you to be discouraged or even to get out of step with where the Holy Spirit is leading you. It's when we say, God, I want to walk in your spirit. I'm paying attention to how you're directing me, to how you're leading me. You say, Chad, how do I do that? Probably the, the clearest passage in Scripture where, where Paul talks about this is in the book of Romans chapter 8. If you've never read that chapter, Romans chapter 8, I, I make that your homework this week. Like if, if you don't know where to read in scripture, read that passage because it so clearly talks about the work that God does in our lives through his spirit. I want to read a portion of it out loud longer than maybe we might normally do on a Sunday because God's word is alive and it, and it works in our lives. And I think this is really important and, and I want you to see something. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, which is a little easier to understand. And you'll see that the word spirit is there repeatedly. So I'm gonna read this passage and every time we get to the word spirit, I'm gonna ask you to read it out loud with me. Is that all right? So, so, so I'm gonna read it out loud and then when we get to the word spirit, you're gonna say better than that, right? So I'm gonna read it out loud and like I might get to the point where it says something about the Holy Spirit. All right, you got this. Romans chapter eight, verse one. Follow along with what Paul says here. He says, so now... There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Some of you, stop and underline that right there. That's good. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Isn't that a great explanation of what Jesus did for us? He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fulfilled for us who no longer, this is where we start tracking here, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. 
So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is hostile to God. It, It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the, if you have the, of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the, of Christ living in them, do not belong to him at all. Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the, gives you life because you've been made right with God. The, of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the, of God are children of God. 14 verses, 13 times, Paul uses the word spirit because he doesn't want you to miss that we are to be aware of the fact that the Holy lives in us. And as a result, we have his presence who not only gives us strength, but who gives us direction and who gives our life purpose and meaning. We find something powerful in his presence. That's why I need to be reminded that I am the temple of the Holy a temple is a place of presence here's the second thing i want you to see number two a temple is a place of holiness number two a temple is a place of holiness if you if you were to go back in ancient culture whether it was in ephesus or it was in jerusalem the fact that a temple was a holy place was no joke here's why there were things that didn't belong there and you you weren't able to bring those things in there because you had to keep that place a place that was holy you may remember that, that Paul kind of hit on this back several months ago when we did the Messed Up series. He was writing to that church in Corinth that was filled with so much immorality. And he said this to them about holiness, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. He says, look, you live a different kind of life because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And even if the world around you disregards things about holiness, you don't because you choose to live in a way that pleases God. If his spirit lives in you, then you begin to notice things in your life. You watch things in your life and you go, man, that, and it might even be something that, that used to mean something different to you, but now, because of what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of you, there's things that you go, you know, I used to listen to that, or I used to watch that, or I used to think about that in a certain way, and now when I think about that, or I watch that, or I listen to that, or when I have that conversation, or when I say those words, it's not the same, because I feel like there's something inside of me that, that checks my spirit That's the Holy Spirit, and there comes a point when I go, if the Spirit lives inside of me, then I don't want to do anything that affects my relationship with Him. One of the signs that you're growing in your relationship with the Lord is that you start to have a sensitivity to things in your life that would bother the Holy Spirit. 
Now look, I'm not talking about legalism. So some of you may come from a background where there are all these rules and regulations that say, well, you can't do this and you can't do this and all that kind of thing. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about when the Spirit works in our lives. We have freedom in Christ, right? But you can't take that too far. This is a recognition that sometimes things affect us and we recognize the reason I'm uncomfortable with this is because I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. When we sense conviction, it is an awareness of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. When we sense conviction, it is an awareness of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. The reason that, that this struck me this week is because it happened to me this week. There, there was something even in my own life, and I was just like, all of a sudden, I was just like, wait a minute. That's not right, Chad. That's not good for you to think that way. That's unhealthy. And it, and it, was, it was somewhat painful. Anybody with me? And, I, and at first, I'm going, oh, this is a bad thing. And then I realized, this isn't a bad thing. This is a good thing. It's a good thing because I have an openness in my spirit to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. Sometimes we call it conviction, Right? But it's, it's God's kindness that leads us to that place of repentance because when we recognize those things, we become more open to him. Look, if it comes with a fear that leads to dread or hopelessness, that's not conviction, that's condemnation, and that's not from the Holy Spirit, that's from the enemy of our souls. But when conviction comes, it may come with the fear of God, but it comes with a desire to change and a hope for forgiveness, and that is the Holy Spirit, and holiness is important in our lives, I look back and I remember when I went to college, the, the way our dorms were set up is we would have a room with two guys in it, room with two guys in it, and in between was a bathroom, and these four guys in their late teens, early 20s shared a bathroom. Think about that. Four guys in their late teens, early 20s in a bathroom. Anybody else disgusted? <laughs> I wasn't then. I figured, eh, if we clean it once a semester, we're probably doing okay. And I look back and I think, that, that place was, was nasty, but I've grown in my cleanliness since then. Somebody say praise the Lord, right? Somebody say praise Rhonda. Either way, I've changed. I've grown in my cleanliness to the point that I have a different sensitivity now to that kind of thing than I did then. Does that make sense? Look, if you're coming over to my house, we're, we're friends, right? You're going to come over to my house. I'm probably, before you get there for dinner, I'm probably going to make sure that the house is not a mess. If you, if you, if you matter to me, if this is something important. Now, our, our house isn't dirty. We, we don't live in a dirty house. But somehow spills happen. Somehow the dust keeps coming in. Anybody else? We just, we just clean the dust. The dust comes back. Things need to be put in their right places. If I'm going to have somebody come and stay with me, I want them to stay in a clean place. Have you ever been to a hotel or a restaurant that you claimed you'd never go back to because it was dirty? You're like, oh, I'm not going back to that place. It disgusts me. I, I don't want to be in that place because of the state that it was in. Look, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives, we begin to realize that there are things that need cleaned up because we don't want to have the Holy Spirit come and dwell in our lives and then recognize that there are things that are repulsive to him. And the beauty of this is the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. 
And he leads us and he prompts us and he brings that conviction and he brings that leading to help us not only see those things, but to help us work on those things. Galatians chapter five, verse 16. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Do you see what he said? Walk by the spirit. The spirit will help you because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And for some of you, the most important thing you'll walk out of here with is at some point in the next 24, 48 hours, you need to get a few minutes and just kind of be humble and pause enough to say, Holy Spirit, if there are things in this temple that are not pleasing to you, David prays this in the Psalms, if there's any way in me that, that is not pleasing to you, even things I, I can't see, help me see those things because there's freedom and joy in that. It may be painful on the front end, but it is refreshing and, and freeing when you walk through that process and let the Holy Spirit help you. Because a temple is a place of presence and a temple is a place of holiness. Here's the last one, number three. A temple is a place of sacrifice. One, one last perspective on a temple. You, you probably know this if you think it on through. The worship that happened in a temple in ancient times cost people something. It usually was some kind of sacrifice. That's why Paul uses language like this. 1 Corinthians 6.19, we'll read it again. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. That's a sacrifice. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Paul makes it even more clear. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a, he, he doesn't let you off the hook here. He says, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Look, if you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, then you find comfort to know that his presence is with you. And if you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, you, you find this solace to know that there's a holiness that happens as he's refining and working in our lives, but it only happens if you recognize that as the temple of the Holy Spirit, it has to begin with the fact that you are a place of sacrifice and that you're willing to say, we sang it just a few minutes ago, you can have it all, Lord. My whole life is yours. A sacrifice means you give your all. A sacrifice means you give your all. Deep theological concept. You ready? A pig and a chicken are walking down the road. And the chicken looks at the pig and says, pig, I got an idea. And the pig says, well, what's your idea, chicken? And the chicken says, I think we should open a restaurant. Oh, interesting, pig says, what, what kind of food would we serve? And the chicken says, well, how about we, we open a breakfast place? And the pig says, okay, tell me more. What would we call it? And the chicken says, I think we should call it ham and eggs. And the pig thought for a minute. And he said, you know what, chicken? No, thanks, I'm not interested. And the chicken said, well, why not, pig? And the pig said, because if you call this place ham and eggs, that means that I'm totally committed and you're just making a contribution. <laughs> Did you get it, ham and eggs? The chicken just drops something off every once in a while. The pig gives his all. When it comes to sacrifice, some of us are pretty chicken with God. Like, yeah, you, you can have it, Lord, when it's convenient, when it's easy, 
when it's once in a while, when it's something I want to give. But how many of you are willing to say, yeah, I'm totally committed. My life, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. You can have it all. The good news is that unlike the pig, when you give it all to Jesus, that's when you start getting it all back. That's when the adventure begins. That's when the excitement comes in. That's, that's when you really start living. So many of us are chickens with God. We, we just, we hold out and we hold on. It's not until you go in whole hog on your faith, pun intended, that you really begin to experience what life is all about. And the deal is, look, friends, it's got to start with your perspective. Look, that's why I had you re- Repeat after me at the very beginning. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because if you'll understand this idea of temple, then you will walk in the Spirit. Then you will be led of the Spirit. Then you will let the Spirit bring not only his encouragement, but also his conviction. Because until I'm at a point where I say you can have it all, he may be present, but I've shut him out. And there may be conviction, but I'm not listening. At some point, it's all about my perspective. I read a quote this week from from a theologian named N.T. Wright. Listen to what he says here. Track with this for a minute. He's writing about the first century church, the early believers, and their relationship with the Holy Spirit. And he says this, the early Christians might have said of the Spirit what we have said often enough of a worldview. It isn't what you look at, it's what you look through. I'm gonna read that again. Think about that for just a moment. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, it isn't what you look at, It's what you look through. The spirit was not for Paul and his contemporaries a doctrine or a dogma, which is what we make it out to be so much. We talk about the Holy Spirit as an it that we try to understand instead of being a a who that we get to know. He says, the spirit was not for Paul and his contemporaries a doctrine or dogma to be discussed, but the breath of life, which put them in a position to discuss everything else and more to the point, to worship, pray, love, and work. Do you see what he said here? He says, for the early church, the Holy Spirit wasn't just this thing that was out there. It was a person that consumed their lives because they knew that their bodies were the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when you grasp that, it changes how you see everything. It's not just what you look at. It's what you look through. Being the temple of the Holy Spirit is not a thing you look at, but a life you look through. Being the temple of the Holy Spirit is not a thing you look at. Get past theology. But it is a life you look through because you are a temple. One of my favorite teachers in elementary school was Mrs. Beale in the second grade. And I remember the day that she came to me. I was very concerned for a second grader. And she said, Chad, your, your math grades have have started to really decline. You, you seem to be struggling in math. I, I have an idea why. And I said, oh, okay, what do you want me to do? And she said, I want to move you up to the front row of the class. Well, I didn't, I didn't like that, but I did it. And when she did, my math grades went back up. Here's why. In the back of the class, I was misreading numbers on the chalkboard. Anybody remember chalkboards? <laughs> I was misreading numbers that were on the chalkboard when we were writing down math problems because I couldn't see from the back. Mrs. Beale had discovered that I needed glasses. So since the second grade, I've needed glasses. But some of you didn't know that because since junior high, I've I've been wearing contacts. I would much rather, I'm more comfortable in my contacts. I would rather wear my contacts. But today, I wore my glasses. 
and it has bothered some of you. <laughs> Why is he wearing those? Does he have pink eye? Did he get up late? Is it too cold to put contacts in? Is our pastor getting older and needs glasses? Like, you're asking all those questions. Like, why is he wearing glasses? No, you know why I wore the glasses today? Because I wanted to get your attention. Because here's how it works. You see these glasses? Like, right now, I honestly cannot make out you on the front row, Rick. I wouldn't know that was you if I hadn't seen you earlier. I, I can't, I can, I can see some of you. For some of you, it's an improvement. I can see some of you. It's just a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. You look fine. Okay? But here's the deal. I can have them here, right? I can look at them. I know they're right there. But these things don't do me any good if I just look at them. If they're going to do me any good, I got to look through them. And sometimes I put it off or I don't need that. I've got some friends that need glasses and they keep complaining about their headaches. And I keep wanting to say, go to the eye doctor. Why? Because it's not until you humble yourself enough to realize, I got to look through this, that you'll see what you were actually missing. We put it off. And the same thing is true about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I say, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You go, I know. And I say, you can live with his presence in you. And you're like, yeah, I see that. And I say, look, when you sense that conviction, it's because the Holy Spirit wants to do something in you. And you're like, yeah, I know, I know that. I know that. I heard you say that. And I say, look, he wants you to give your all to him. And you're like, yep, I'm cool with that. He's right there. And I'm telling you, you can look at the Spirit and you can look at life that way. But it's not until you look through life through the lens of the Holy Spirit that you really begin to live. That's when you begin to live. That's when the change comes. Because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you, if you don't believe it, try it. And you'll see that his presence makes a difference. And that holiness is refreshing. And that sacrifice is when you really, it's not until you give it all that you really begin to live and receive. And so today, we're going to wrap up with a prayer. In fact, I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would, please. And if you're, if you're watching online, right, right where you're at, would you make that place? We're going to make this place an altar. And if you're watching online, would you do the same? And, and before we begin to sing, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? And look, for, for some of you, you're desperate for more of his presence in your life. You need that strength. You need that direction. Look, it says right here, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. His presence is there. Today's the day when you open up and say, Holy Spirit, I need your presence in my life. For some of you, you're recognizing that, that that angst or that conviction that you've had about that relationship or, or that habit or those words or, or that, 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 that thing you've been bringing into your life in some way, that's the Holy Spirit saying, look, this isn't good for you. This, 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 is, this is cluttering up. It's dirtying up your house in a way that's going to catch up with you. And today you need to say, if, I, if I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, then I choose holiness. And for some of you, for you to begin to live, and you need to take a moment, and you need to change the lens that you're looking through. And stop looking at the Holy Spirit. And start looking at life through the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Stop being a chicken and, and give him all that you have. And say, you can have it all, Lord going to sing a song that's a prayer that says you are worthy you are holy i will build my life on you and would you make this place where you're at an altar and would you make this song your prayer father as we sing this 
we, we put ourselves in your presence, your, your holy presence. We offer ourselves fully to you. We ask that you would be at work in our hearts as we recognize our role as a temple of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, would you make this song your prayer? Worthy of every song we could ever sing.
this snowy Sunday, whether we're standing in this room or we're watching this on a screen, we affirm a truth from Scripture that we are, that I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, may I be a place where it's so clear that your presence dwells, that you lead me, that you direct me, and that, that I'm open, that I'm putting myself in a place to know your presence. Like David prayed, God, if, if there's some way in me that's not pleasing to you, Holy Spirit, would you guide me to clean up this temple for you? And when it comes time to sacrifice, when it comes time to give my all, Spirit, help me not to be a chicken. But may I view life through your lens. Not just looking at you, but looking through you. May I build my life on who you are and boldly say, I live my life as a temple of the Holy Spirit. Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you would go with us. Pray for your protection, your guidance. Would you send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks so much for being here today, for coming and joining us. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.